I don't know. Anyway. Oh, I think I just broke the chair. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> I was getting a little too comfortable over here. I was just like, oh, no. I just like leaned back and it just totally busted my power shoulders. Just oh, no. You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. My name's Catherine and I'm from Belfast in Northern Ireland. And this is Joy and Claire. Enjoy. gone wild this is joy and this is claire this is episode 240 this episode is brought to you by camp timeout please join us in august for a really fun camping weekend it's gonna be so fun it's over labor day weekend it's in deckers colorado which is what about an hour and a half away from the denver airport very short Um, drive very short drive very easy drive it's not like crazy through the mountains or anything um you're not gonna have to go over any mountain passes it's very doable for the beginner mountain driver yeah not scary at all and it's going to be so fun. There's so many fun activities. We're going to do have archery. There's going to be um, arts and crafts. We're going to, Joy and I are going to coach some workouts. We're going to have guided hikes. There's going to be, there's like a high ropes course. There's fishing. We're going to have bonfires. There's like um, everything that you can imagine from the yeah. most fun camping trip you've ever had in your life. Even if you're not a camper, you guys, I'm not a camper and I'm really looking forward to this. Like the, they showed us the pictures of what it's going to be and I'm really excited about it. So please join us. You can sign up at camptimeout.com and click the, is it the Colorado trip, Claire? Yeah. Yeah. So go to camp, camptimeout.com at the top on the navigation bar, click on Cal, Colorado camp. Um, and it, it tells you everything that's included. So you, so the accommodations are a shared cabin or you can bring your own tent. It includes six meals. You get two nights of open bar, all the activities. And then there's even like an adventure race, sort of like a spart- like a um, custom Spartan race type of thing at the end. So um, it's going to be so fun. And please let us know if you have any questions. Email us or email the, fo- the gals at Camp Timeout. They are amazing and they are just so excited to answer all of your questions or figure out how to accommodate anything. Um they heard that folks were a little bit nervous about getting to camp, and so they, they figured out a way to create a shuttle. So there are, I think, still a couple seats left on the shuttle. Uh, so it's going to be so fun, you guys. Just make it happen. Labor Day weekend, sign up. Yeah, camp we can't wait to see you. Camptimeout.com. So this week on the show, we have Miss Michaela North, and she is so fun to talk to. We had such a blast with her. She's a powerhouse. She's a mother. She's an athlete. She's... I mean, every time I see her beautiful blue eyes on Instagram, I'm just like, who is this woman? Yeah, she's amazing. So Michaela, um, I first became familiar with Michaela a couple of years ago. I actually uh, did like bought a zone uh, meal plan from her probably back in like 2014 or 2015. And um, I was have always just been so fascinated by her story. She has twins who are four years old and then a little boy who's three and she's actually currently pregnant due in April. She was on the Wasatch Brutes uh, CrossFit Games team that won the affiliate cup this year. And she was actually like four weeks pregnant during the games, which I don't even know whether she knew she was pregnant, but that's freaking badass. And 
we just had such a fun time talking to her about the expectations around motherhood and being a pregnant athlete and a postpartum athlete and how balance is not a thing <laughs> and, um, and just how... You're going to especially love the first question I ask. Oh my gosh. So I... <laughs> Don't give it away. Don't give it I'm away. I'm not going to give it away. I'm going to just let you guys just go into it right now. You're going to love it. Please enjoy this interview. With Michaela North. Let me start by asking the yeah. question. Okay. How did you get in how did you get into Michael Jackson's house? <laughs> okay, so um my senior year of high school, we were on a trip, a little family trip to California. My dad had business like in a few different cities. And the first city was Santa Maria, which is where Michael Jackson lived at the time and where Neverland is, which I don't even know if I actually knew this before we went, but we kind of had some time to kill uh, that day. And so my mom and my sister and I were, you know, walking around town. It's like a cute little town, not much going on. And um, we walked by the courthouse and we had heard that trial that Michael Jackson was in the courthouse. Like it was during his big trial at the time, the last one. And so we, I think we just kind of like asked some locals if it was true, if that's really where he was at court. We thought that was so cool that we were kind of like nearby <laughs> and, um, and they mentioned that Neverland was just like a few, few miles out of town. And that if we, um, went there at like 4 30 PM or whenever trial got out, that we would maybe be able to catch a glimpse of him. Like sometimes he would put the window down and wave to fans. <laughs> so we had nothing better to do um, at all really. And so my dad got off work and we're like, dad, we have to go to Neverland. And if we sit outside, then we might get to see Michael Jackson. It's going to be really cool. So we went, it was, um, me, my sister, my mom and my dad, and then my dad's business partner and his, his kids about the same age as my sister and I were all in high school. And so we go, we're sitting outside of Neverland. We'd waited for like 20 minutes. And I think our parents were kind of getting a little bit antsy, like, all right, let's, let's get going. I don't know if he's going to come. And a couple minutes later, uh, he pulls up in his limo and you can't really see anything. He pulls through the gates. Oh, and, and also we, we're there, um, clearly like out of place. And there's just like probably 20 other like die hard fans that were waiting for him that, that <laughs> it looked like we're there waiting for him every single day um, of the trial that it was like a month long trial. And they were kind of telling us stories about how like they moved to, to Santa Maria from different countries. A lot of them were from Europe to support Michael during his trial and how, you know, this just was like so important to them. So we kind of felt a little, like a little out of place. Um, we were obviously, I mean, who's not a fan of Michael Jackson, but we, we definitely weren't like there for a month long to support him. We just kind of happened to be passing through town. So, so he pulls through the gate and he, he puts his head out and like waves to everybody. And we thought that was just the coolest thing ever. And the, he continues on up to his house and his guard, like his main guard comes out and he, he tells everyone if they were um, able to just wait like five to 10 minutes that Michael has an announcement that he wants to tell all of his fans. And so we're like, Oh dad, we have to stay like, this is, he's going to tell us something like, you know, maybe, I don't know. We had no idea. And uh, my mom was kind of ready to go. We talked everyone into staying and 10 minutes goes by and um, the guard comes back and he says, okay, um, 
Michael wants to let everyone into Neverland that's here, but you have to put your cameras and, you know, phones in your cars and you have to sign this release and you guys can come into Neverland. So we were like, yeah, okay. So we, so we, the gates open and in we go. And, oh my um, God. That is so crazy. It was so crazy. Um, and he has, so he's like standing in his, uh, obviously, I don't, you probably haven't been there, but he has, it's the gate, you open the gates and it's just like this big, beautiful estate. And there's like little statues kind of everywhere. And, um, and his house is just in the, in the middle of it. And I, I think, so what, what the guards said to us, I don't know if this is true, was that he had let people into Neverland before, but that they just got to kind of go to like the amusement park and watch like a little video of him. He's, he never really let fans like into his home. And, um, so he, he's at the front door, just like waving everyone kind of to come in. And, and like a lot of his fans got like very excited and kind of started running toward the door. And, um, it like startled him. And so by the time we got to the door, he had, um, he hit, hid, I guess you could say, kind of like got scared and hid in his little like, um, it's like a hall closet, like just like an entryway closet. <laughs> um, he went in there for a minute and then um, he ended up coming back out and like waving to everyone. And he like, I remember he gave us all like a peace sign and he didn't say anything, but we were just like a few feet away from him, kind of in his house and just walking around and um. I just remember thinking, and I don't know, this is, I don't, this is just my perspective, but I remember thinking like, you know, when you see him on TV and everyone, and I have no opinion as far as like the trial went or anything, but, um, everyone would just say like negative things like, oh, he's so creepy or he's this or that, you know, how he looked. And I just remember thinking when I saw him that I felt just like so sad for him. Like he just seemed so, like, he just seemed like timid and just yeah. like, scared and um just like a just like like really fragile and it was just the opposite of kind of how he was portrayed in the media that I had seen and so it was like eye-opening for me to to just to realize that like wow he you know he just seems a lot different in real life and it's easy to have an opinion of someone you know when you just see him on the media or whatever and and um yeah so we just we spent like four hours there four hours um we it was, it was like a half day. It was the weirdest oh thing ever. I was thinking you just like went in for like a peek and then turned around. Yeah. You were there for four hours. No, it was forever. And he had, he gave us all these like leather bound albums and we walked around. We just, we saw him for like maybe 20 minutes and then we walked all over Neverland, went to like his pool house. And I, I talked to his dad for quite a while and like his dad was there. I think, I think Janet was there. I never saw her. She was upstairs oh um, with the rest of the just family. Just hung out with the Jacksons. Saw his kids. They were cute. And yeah, we we're just hang, hung out at the house for a while. Talked to his brothers. I think two brothers. This is like, feels like a lifetime ago. Cause I was like, like what did you talk to his dad so, about? <laughs> gosh, I, he, so he was really awkward. Like, um, the couple things I remember about him is he has like the most amazing green eyes I've ever seen. And, but he was really like, he was a little grumpy and he was kind of awkward. And, uh, I talked to him and, and I asked him if he would sign my leather album. It was like this really cool, like all of his top hits and then like a video of his performances, this like leather bound thing. I asked him if he would sign it and the pen wasn't working. 
And so he got like frustrated with the pen and I was like, oh, ne- never mind. Actually, it's it's not a big deal. Like you, def- you don't need to sign it. I'll just take these scribbles on my album. It's it's fine. And I didn't like want to upset him, <laughs> but um, he was, yeah, he was, in- he was definitely not like s- the most just casual. Like, like he was pretty intense. I guess you could say freely social. Yeah. He was kind of intense. Um, but I, I can't remember if it was w- which brother's were there but they were really nice and super cool and then obviously his guards were like very very easy oh. and really really nice really cool so yeah the whole time we were just couldn't believe oh and i remember the guards kept cracking jokes like did you guys get lost on your way to the casino <laughs> like what how did you guys we see the same people every day outside these gates like, like what, what, you what guys is are going- lucky yeah seriously so- that is such a fun claim to fame story i don't think i've ever heard anything like it <laughs> Like you, I, no wonder you tell that all the time. Like it's such a cool story. Uh, yeah, it was. It was definitely. It was. It was right up there with the CrossFit Games. I have to admit. <laughs> like, okay, so moving on. We don't really need to talk about Michael Jackson this entire interview. But I was like, well, that's a pretty interesting story. <laughs> like, leave it to Joy to lead with that question of like, okay, so I, I dug into your past and found out that one time you met Michael Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think forget. I only posted that one time, Thank like you. in like a random fact thing. I can't even remember. I'm impressed. <laughs> amazing. Okay, well, yeah, let's let's move on from the Michael Jackson story. Not that it's not amazing, but we're so excited to talk to you and just to hear all about. You've had a crazy couple of years and a really crazy like last 365 days or so. Um, so, can you give us just like or the brief snapshot of, you know, how you got started with CrossFit and then um, with having kiddos and sticking with it and getting back into it, just kind of like the short and sweet version of kind of how you got to um, maybe bring us up to when you joined the um, Wasatch team. Yeah. So short and sweet, because I can get like super long winded with this story is um, I joined CrossFit. I wanted to compete like right out the gate. I, a friend of mine from college had me come to like a free Saturday class. And um, I was like six months, uh, nine months after um, kind of finishing up uh, my track career, uh, college track career. So I had taken time off and decided I was done competing forever and then realized like, oh, no, I actually really like competing. I need to do something, you know, physically active again and like figure out what I want for that now that I'm not an athlete anymore. And I just got invited to a Saturday workout that was CrossFit. And immediately from a track and field background, like it was like all things track and field, you know, working hard fitness, but way cooler because there was, you're not just running. And um, so I immediately fell in love and asked like how to, you know, come and do more of it. And he told me that they had team tryouts, you know, that week. And if I made the team, then I could get a free membership. And that was all I knew. And I showed up on, I was, you know, I I was ready to sign up at that point. And so I showed up on Monday, tried out for the team unofficially. I don't know. And, um, and yeah, like from that moment on realized I not only wanted to compete in CrossFit, but I also wanted to coach CrossFit and, Um, make a career out of it. So I currently was at, you know, an advertising company doing project management and I um, got my level one certification, quit. I quit my marketing job and started coaching 
like within a few months, pretty much. And then from there, uh, competed team that year, just super fresh to CrossFit. Um, so that was in 2013, let's see, 2012. And then the following fall got pregnant with, with the twins. So I took that whole year off and then, um, had them in July and really wanted to go individual at that point and trained and qualified to go individually, um, and competed at regionals that year. So that would have been 2014. And I was pregnant with my third. Apparently I like to be pregnant while I'm competing. Um, unknowingly, I was pregnant with my third and had him the following December and then decided um, after that that I, I, for some reason, was still crazy enough to want to com- keep competing. And so I um, I didn't do the open. Well, I guess I did the open for fun. Just, just you know, it was like a couple months after I had him. So in 2015 and then trained for that for that following open, which was 2016. So I um, competed at the Super Regionals in Texas there in 2016 and just missed qualifying by one spot. And that was kind of when um, Tiffany and Mandy were also competing. Um, they both placed top 10 as well. And Adrian was competing on the men's side and same. He, I think he ended up seventh. And um, that was kind of when the conversation started was shortly after regionals of getting a team together and going after the affiliate cup for 2017. So we originally, um, we weren't sure Brennan, he's, you know, he's from the area. So we kind of, he was like in Brazil at the time. So we hit him up to see if he was going to be moving back to Utah and that got that conversation going. And, uh, yeah, it just evolved from there. Mitch, Mitch was new to CrossFit at the time. He was only a year in when we competed at the games or like a year and a half, I guess. So, um, just, he became the sixth man on the team and, it's kind of history from there. That's the short and sweet version. Is that is that kind yeah, of what you had in mind? <laughs> that's great. Um, I'd love to hear more, and I'm sure you get this question all the time about how you were able to maintain such like a high level of athleticism and and kind of stay, you know, I know you said you took some time off when you were pregnant and a little bit of time off recovering after you had your um you had your babies, but how were you able to maintain that and kind of come back from being pregnant and then, you know, jump right back into it? I know that that's a question that we get a lot um, from folks who are thinking about getting pregnant or had just had a baby of like, I feel so different. I'm so nervous. Like, what do I do? How do I stick with it? And like, how did you not only like logistically, how did you do it, but mentally, you know, what did you kind of go through to keep with it at such a high level? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so first, uh, I think that's kind of like I have multiple answers for it. So as far as physically like staying with it, I would say I definitely didn't. I did not stay with it. Um, with my twin pregnancy, I didn't do – I wasn't able to really do anything. Um, we did fertility to get pregnant. So I was already like really nervous um, kind of just, and it's my first pregnancy. So I was kind of already a little bit nervous to do much. And then my, um, my doctor with my, with my specific pregnancy, I had placenta previa 
with one of the twins, which basically means their placenta was sitting low. So he considered me to be high risk and didn't want me to do really any exercise. Um, so I, yeah, so I came off of that pregnancy, um, pretty out of shape, you know, after taking nine months off. And then, and then I also had a really severe umbilical hernia, uh, which I got repaired a couple months later. And so, yeah, so I, I kind of had to work from ground zero again to get sort of where I wanted to be. And I was about nine months postpartum when I got pregnant with Jack and I can, let's see. So, and I competed at regional, I think I was about two months along. So it was, so looking back, it's like really hard to say where I was physically because I just felt so, I didn't feel great. Like I was just starting to get back into shape and then I got pregnant again and I didn't know I was pregnant. So I sort of was, um, I was, you know, I mean, Claire, you know how it is in the beginning of your pregnancy, you don't feel amazing. So that was when I was qualifying for the open and competing in regionals. And I just kind of thought that that was like my new normal, um, just as a postpartum mom. So I, I think so. So with Jack, I, I worked out a lot more through that pregnancy. I took the last two months off. Um, and then I took, you know, a couple months before I started training again after I had him. But I think, so I think, you know, physically I was able to maintain a lot more with my second pregnancy, but I think for me, the biggest realization that I've had and is that it's okay. Like it, it doesn't really matter. Um, as far as like, yeah, it's going to be easier postpartum if you were able to maintain some, something throughout your pregnancy, you're going to feel a lot better postpartum, but that doesn't mean it's not possible to get, you know, to a high level of athleticism after, or that it, it, I, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of women ask me that same question. Like they're really scared to get pregnant because they think that, you know, they're never going to be able to be as competitive again, or things are going to change for them so much physically that, you know, th- that they have to make sure and just maintain this really high level of activity during their pregnancy. And I've just experienced that, that that's not the case. So I'm just not as stressed out during my pregnancies to um, maintain a high level of fitness, I guess you could say, because I've realized that it's you know, it's definitely possible to put in work and consistency postpartum and, and be where I want to be. I love that. that. And I, yeah, it totally, it totally makes sense. And I think that I really like that because it's like, Hey, listen, just deal with the stage that you're at, take it as it comes and don't like try to make it something it's not. Don't try to pretend like you're not pretend like you're not pregnant, but don't treat your body. Like it's not growing a human, like respect the fact that your body is going through a lot. And then when you're done, figure it out then. It's like, it's not a race. Right. And I think, I don't know, I think in some ways, in some ways, social media, I was thinking about this today, actually, because, um, after I had the twins, like I had a really severe umbilical hernia, which means, you know, my like muscle, everything was like torn behind my umbilical cord. So, um, and had to be sewn back up. And then I also had really bad diastasis recti. So my abs were separated from having two babies in my belly to full term. And um, I didn't know like what any of those things were. I had to do a bunch of research on my own to figure out like what was going on with my body. And 
it was it was really confusing and kind of hard. And so I think social media has been really good since then. I've seen a lot of women talking about, you know, like common things that happen when you're pregnant and common issues that can occur, like diastasis recti and, and how to combat those and like what they are and what they look like and, you know, um, what's normal. I mean, normal is a million different things for women when they're pregnant and postpartum. And so it's been cool to just see a lot more conversation around that versus the oh, I gained 24 pounds when I was pregnant and looked the exact same as I did, you know, before, after, which is the kind of the story that I grew up hearing. And so it's just cool. I think that on social media, there's a lot more discussion around those things. So there's more resources available for women. But I think on the, on the flip side, it's, it's easy to compare yourself to other women and think that you should be where they are in, in, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's, and we're all just so different and unique that I think that's, that's kind of the only downfall with social media is just that comparison that a lot of women do, you know, which it's, it's hard to, to blame them. It's just a natural thing, but it can cause a lot of added pressure too. Yeah. I agree. And I, I, I agree with what you're saying of like, it's helpful to have those resources and see like, oh, other people have gone through this. But then you also see some people who are like CrossFit Games athletes or, you know, kind of almost CrossFit celebrities who just two or three or four weeks after they've given birth are already back in the gym, like doing chest bar butterfly pull-ups. And it's like, oh no. <laughs> I like to think that we all learn at different rates, you know, like I, I definitely didn't know. I didn't know what, yeah. you know, I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing um, after the twins other than just what my doctor told me, you know, and, and I didn't know. And after having Jack, I kind of just went off of what my midwife told me. And it's been so, I will say, you know, third time's a charm. I, um, it's been so nice having resources. Like I've been working with a coach this pregnancy and she's been making sure that I am being safe and am being smart and am paying attention to my body and, you know, not making my current issues worse. And um, just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. She's had to tell me a couple times, like, yeah. okay, although that you can do that and it feels fine, it's probably not smart. And, um, you know, what, like, what benefit is it to the potential you know, negatives that could come from it. So it's been really helpful for me to learn those things because, you know, I don't know. Otherwise it it can feel kind of hard as, as a woman, when you're pregnant, you can feel kind of like, Oh, I can't do anything or, Oh, this all feels good. So maybe I should just keep doing it. Yeah. We, Joy and I did the birth fit, um, coaches seminar a couple months ago and, um, and that was one of the the big things that kept coming up of like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like, think about the long term here, you know, just yes. because doing sit-ups doesn't hurt, does it, you know, what what are you really gaining by doing that? Because you're like, if a couple weeks from now, your, your abs are going to be descended no matter what you do. Yeah. <laughs> There's a human yeah. in there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I also have to say, so how, you're what, 27, 28 weeks now? Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, and I don't mean this the wrong way, and this can totally will totally come across. Like, let's hope it comes across correctly. That sometimes you see CrossFit athletes who are pregnant, and they're like, "I'm 40 weeks today," and you're like, "I look that way when I eat a burrito." 
And so I'm so grateful that you posted pictures and you like actually look pregnant. I'm like, thank you. Uh, I know. Well, you know what? Part of that too is it's like my fourth kid. And so I right. swear I looked like I was like 20 weeks pregnant, like immediately. And, <laughs> uh, and I never got to even experience that time where like you're pregnant and no one knows you're pregnant. And then you announce it because I started out with twins. So people were already like suspicious at like eight weeks, you know, my first time around. Right. Right off the bat. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's no hiding this. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes I'm around other. Yeah, no, but I do have that like periodically where I'll see someone saying they're like ten weeks further along than I am, and just just this cute little tiny little bump. And yeah, I'm like, like, F you. Dang I, it. <laughs> yeah. I, I can relate. When I was pregnant with Miles, I just grew straight forward, and I would like honk yes. the horn with my belly when I got in and out of the car. <laughs> yes. And I was like, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, life. I don't have hips. Yeah. So I think that's it. Maybe. Yeah. Are you the same thing? I'm like. Yeah. I'm very, very petite. And it's like, where else is it going to go? Just straight out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to back up just a little bit and ask you, if you don't mind, a little bit about your fertility uh, journey and, and how you got um, into the place where, you know, with pregnant with twins. I know that it's a very personal topic, and so I don't want to put you on the spot, but anything you're willing to share, we have a lot of listeners who are, you know, in various stages of yeah. fertility issues or, you know, themselves. And so I think it's always helpful to just hear the perspective from somebody who's gone through something like that and what it was like for them. Yeah. So that was, so my twins are like four and a half. So it was, um, a while ago. And, and I, I feel like we got really lucky in our fertility journey as it ended up being kind of a, like a, it was just a hormone thing for me, but, um, we were trying to get pregnant for about two years and yeah, like I, we didn't, we didn't get to the point where we had to do in vitro or any of those things, which I can only imagine are, you know, just the heartache and just everything that comes with that. We, um, but I, I, I can understand just that, that waiting game and, and wanting to start your family. And I remember thinking when I first bought a pregnancy test, like, this is silly. Like, why do people feel the need to buy these at the dollar store? Like they're only $6, you know, it's not like that big of a deal. And then, you know, 20 <laughs> pregnancy tests later, I was like, yeah. Oh, Okay, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't right, just, just take have, one. I just have four hundred dollars on pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just yeah, oh yeah, um, just the struggle of like being so ready and not understanding, you know, what's going on was was definitely really really hard and emotionally hard. And then and then also I I you know always kind of wondered too like is it, you know, you know, is it me? Like, is it how much I'm working out? Could that be affected? Is it, so maybe I should stop working out. And, you know, I went through all kinds of things like that, where I was trying to figure out like, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Like, and it, it came down for me, it was my, um, my hormones were like flipped. It was, I think probably caused from, I, I randomly got talked into the depot shop for birth control and like a couple you know, a couple years prior to when we got pregnant and, um, I didn't have a period for like six months and my, like my cycle was always irregular after that when it had always been just like right on track before. And so I think it just was enough. I think it probably would have leveled out. My hormones would have leveled out after another year or so, but, um, getting my blood work done, the, the doctor, the fertility specialist we went to was able to tell me that, um, that was the issue. And so he had me on 
just a couple of different things to basically induce ovulation for me. And yeah, it's uh, month one, um, I had one follicle and didn't get pregnant. And month two, I had two. And so he told us it was very likely that we were going to, you know, possibly get pregnant that month. And I remember asking him, wait, so there's two follicles. So does that mean I could have two babies? And he like patted me on the back, you know, like in a fatherly way and was like, well, <laughs> yes, but you're like, oh, very unlikely, you know, your chances of multiples increase by one to 2%. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, silly me for thinking that. <laughs> and, you know, uh, yeah, just 10 weeks later. <laughs> Those two and here you are with twins on the ultrasound. So yeah, we feel really lucky and blessed and, and almost like, you know, it's, you know, one of those things in retrospect, I'm like, if I had only known we were about to get two babies, I would have, you know, maybe just relaxed a little bit and just enjoyed where I was at. But it's, it's so much easier to say that after the fact, because when you're in the moment and you don't know what your future is going to be, you know, it's, it's definitely hard. I would get so irritated with people that would tell me to relax or, you know, do all these different things that, ugh, yeah, people have a lot to say, <laughs> I think, on that topic. And when you're going through it, you don't always want to hear it. I know you have an audience, uh, a lot of women who follow you for a lot of different reasons, but you know, one of which, which is obviously motherhood. And what are the messages that you're hearing from women or that you find yourself kind of reassuring women frequently because I know they probably come to you for advice. Yeah, I think um I think one question that I get a lot is like how I balance motherhood with with my aspirations to compete and and then also like, you know, how how kind of logistically how I do it and and then also I have a lot of women ask me how um like how I decided to have a baby or to have another baby, even though I was competing and was I worried about how it was going to affect things and, and just kind of, they just want to know like emotionally how I made that decision and where I was at, just because I think that's kind of what they're going through. And it helps to have just, you know, even if they don't listen to me, it just kind of helps have a sounding board. And then lastly, I think a lot of um, questions come from more like a body image standpoint, like, I'm worried my body is never going to be the same. Um, either, you know, how, how does it work or how has it worked for you or what have you done? Or um, it's been so nice to see that like it's it's okay, like change is okay and you've given me the confidence to just go through with it and realize that that's like a silly thing to worry about. So I would say kind of all three of those have been the most common things that I have gotten from women. I have a weird opinion about the balance question. I just, I, I find it kind of like we're, we as women are supposed to have balance and I, I just don't think that exists, especially, <laughs> if, especially mothers. Um, I, I always hate that word. I'm like, it's just not, it's not a thing. Um, yeah. It's like a moving yeah, target. It's, I mean, saying, I get never the basic question of it, but there's a part of me, it's like, no, you're not supposed to have balance. Your life is crazy chaotic. But that led me because I was thinking about that today because I was like, I know a lot of people are probably asking and wondering about how does she do it all and how does she balance it all? So instead, I want to know because I feel like there has to be for someone like you who competes on that level, what is it about competing that fires you up? Hmm, That is a really good question. 
Um, it, and it's definitely changed over the years. Like I think when I was younger, I loved, I, I loved, I was just competitive. Like I wanted to win <laughs> like whatever I was doing and, and kind of like prove myself in that sense. I think, and I think as I've gotten older, it's been, it's morphed into more of like, what can I accomplish if I work hard at something, like if I work really hard and I dedicate myself, like how, how far can I go and, and, and how high, you know, how, like how much can I accomplish and, and, um, what can I do with, with that work? And then I think since having my own kids and then having my social media platform, um, I think a lot of it is still, is still that theme. Like what, what can I accomplish with the work I put in? But it's also now like how how can I show my children what hard work can accomplish? And also um, I, I want to show other women that they can go after their goals and their dreams and no matter what stage of life they're at. And it's it's okay for them to set those goals and to have those dreams and to be passionate about something. And so I, I kind of know like that's part of what drives – some of what I'm doing too, I would say now. And the reason I asked that is because kind of tying it into the balance pieces, I'm like, you just have this passion. And I think we can all relate to when we really have a passion towards something, we're going to go for it. And we're going to, we're going to give our 100% all. And yeah. especially with this CrossFit competition, like this is not, this is no joke. The competition pool gets really tough and more difficult with every year. So sure, you're juggling a lot with raising a family, taking care of a family and competing, but you have something in you that I'm going to say is not what a lot of us have. And that is just, that's unique. It's inspiring. Um, and you get something out of it. Like it's, it fulfills you in some way that I think we can all relate to a passion that fulfills us that we're like, this is just a non-negotiable. I'm going to do it. Um, and then of course you just are, you're amazing. Your body is an amazing machine. So, um, yeah, I just, I just had to comment on that as far as the, the balance piece. Cause I'm like, it's, it's an amazing feat what you do every single day with your family and coat and coaching and, and training. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's it. Like you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, if I wasn't passionate about it, I wouldn't probably be able to do it. And, and, and people ask me if I'm going to compete again after I have this baby. And I can't answer that because, I don't know. Like I, I will if I am just as passionate and as excited about it. But if I'm not, then there's no way I'll I'll want to put in that that kind of work and that kind of commitment again. But also I've done it with three, so I'm like, well, maybe I'll you know I'll still feel the same with this one. But I I can't really say until I'm there, I, and so I'm not going to commit to doing something unless I am passionate about it still. Yeah. So can I can I uh, ask a question too of just. Give us, paint us a picture. I've always wondered from an athlete's perspective, what the feeling is for you when you're on the competition floor. It could be at regionals. It could be at the games. I mean, what is it? Give me a taste of like what that's like. <laughs> so it's funny because I was kind of just like thinking, I've been taking a lot of baths lately. <laughs> I think it's because I'm almost in my third trimester. And so I'm just like, it's like a good time for me to think. And I was actually just, thinking about this, um, this week that like kind of what the difference is training versus on the competition floor. And, 
Um, my teammates will probably attest to this. Like when I'm training day in and day out, I, I, uh, it's, it's easy for me to just like doubt myself and doubt my abilities and just, um, I don't know, just, just not have as much confidence in myself as I should. And so I, I kind of just, I guess I just don't feel always like I am at the level that I am at. Like I, I assume everyone else is just way, way more ahead of me when I'm training. And I have cut uh, anyways, I've kind of just noticed that over the years, but when I step out onto the competition floor, like for me, all of my anxiety and my doubts and everything that I have been worried about or feeling is just like, it's gone. I just feel like peace and just like excitement and calm and like ready to do whatever it is that I'm supposed to do. And I fully trust myself out there. And it's, it's just so fascinating. I don't know if, and I was just thinking about that. Like, I don't know why that is and why I don't always feel that way when I'm training. Um, but yeah, I feel really calm. And then also like, you can't help but feel just super energized and electrified by, you know, the crowd and the announcer and all those things definitely play into it. Um, but even with all of the excitement and everything, I, I still like thinking about it. I have a sense of just calm. <laughs> which sounds probably kind of weird. That does know. sound very weird because I'm like, <laughs> that's probably what sets you apart because I'm like, I would be terrified out there. I'd be well, so it's scared. funny because, yeah, when I'm watching other people compete, like when I'm watching friends or family, I am so much more stressed out than when I'm out on the floor myself. I think because when you're watching, you don't have control over what's going on. And so it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how they're feeling. Like you don't know, you know, but when you're out there, like you feel just at least in control of yourself and that helps. Yeah. And you, <laughs> so you obviously moved into uh, competing on a team and I heard you recently talking on a, on an interview about how over the years developing a communication with your team on the floor and on the, on the competition floor. And I just had this moment where like, wow, that's gotta be so much work to, establish that communication, first of all, but it sounds like you kind of had to go through some trial and error with competing with that team without communicating very well. <laughs> and what does that look like to all of a sudden become this cohesive communicative team? Because it's not like you guys are just like, okay, everyone just count. <laughs> and then we all have to just go at the same time. So-and-so says one, like, what does that entail? I just, it's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, I think it was a few things. So it was, it was definitely a process. And I think that if we like going through that process and all the trial and error is what made us able to be a cohesive unit. Um, like we started out as friends, you know, like some of us closer than others and, and some of us not knowing each other, you know, as well. And, and so, um, communicating can be confusing confusing. And then you're also kind of like learning how to communicate because you communicate differently, you know, with different people and with six people on a team. Um, that's enough personalities to <laughs> have some definite different communication styles, you know, needed. And yeah, I think um, luckily our whole team is pretty easygoing. So that helped. Like we don't have any, we didn't have any like drama queens. We didn't have anyone 
that was really high maintenance. Everyone was pretty low maintenance and, but it was just, but it still was hard even in that sense to get us all on the same page. And I think, um, some hard moments like being at Wadapalooza and (laughs) misreading the workout and not knowing like, you know, how many reps we had left and just making like some very critical er errors, um, there at the beginning of the season when we kind of thought like we should be just awesome right out the gate was a huge awakening for us. I think for the girls side of things and the guys side of things, because we were, you know, a male, three male team and then three female team at Wadapalooza. And so that was just last January. Um, so coming from that, it was, it was like, we, we had our sights set on performing very well and we knew we were capable of performing really well, but we didn't communicate well and we didn't look out for one another. And we realized you know, that our fitness really didn't matter at that point if we weren't able to get those fundamental team things down. And so it was kind of like um, a moment where we had to decide, okay, are are we in this? Like, do we really want to go team or do we just want to throw in the towel and go individual and, and not even try? And um, we decided no, we, we want to go team. We know what we're capable of and we want to put in the work to figure out how to communicate and all be on the same page and, and look out for one another. And I think that was kind of the starting point. And we had a couple critical team practices where, you know, like I, I think just most of most of us, not all of us coming from individual backgrounds, like we um, were used to just doing our part and then being done. And like we had a couple practices where we were, you know, had like 150 reps total. So we'd each do 15 or whatever. And as soon as you hit your 15, you were off the floor, like not paying attention to who was doing their 15, the next reps, just kind of like, okay, counting down until it was your turn. But it was just definitely a bunch of individuals doing a workout together, sort of. And um, Nick Fowler, he came in the beginning to a few of our practices and was like, okay, this is, this is not going to work for you guys. If you don't step up and support each other and like lay it out for one another, it's not how good you are. It's how good, you know, you are as a team and how well you can support one another. And if someone has a weakness, like how you can be there for them. And so I think once we realized that, it it kind of all started to come together a lot more um for us it, yeah i don't know if that makes sense totally and i and i think the the final piece was kind of deciding like who the leader was going to be on the floor because i think all six of us are are sort of natural leaders but we were we all really wanted adrian to kind of be the one that we looked to and i think he kind of wanted to just to be on the team with us Um, but he realized that we needed, we needed that leadership and we needed someone to look to, and we were all willing to step up when he needed a break, but he, we needed him to kind of delegate. And so once he took on that role, I think that helped a lot for all of us too. Like all of our trust, at that point we had built trust in one another and we were able to rely on one another and and trust that we were going to be there for each other. But then we also had someone kind of guiding us through the workouts and, you know, in that sense on the floor. And that helped a lot. That is just such an exciting thing though, that you guys did so well. And just, I mean, that feeling must've been amazing. How did you like Madison last year, by the way? 
I loved it, but it was my first CrossFit Games experience, so it's hard to say. I um, I loved it. I thought Madison was so cute, and all the people there were so nice and so accommodating. And um, yeah, I I mean, obviously, I loved the the competing part, but I I really liked Madison. Um, it was a just a really cute, the town just great showed town. Up. The weather was amazing. Yeah, yeah, they did great. We were really impressed. Yeah. We have about five minutes, so we're, we'll wrap up a little bit. But um, I want to just check in with you, Claire, to see. I didn't want to just kind of. No, you're good. I have to admit that like my my life goal, not my life goal, like my kind of in the back of my mind goal that I probably will never do just because I probably won't ever. I don't like and I'm not competitive enough to make this a priority in my life. We'll put it that way would be to go to regionals on a team. It just seems like so much fun. And like, I love the thought of like working with everybody together and everything you were just describing of like, here's how you have to communicate and here's how you have to like, I, that's what I love about the team competitions. And I, I like watching the team competitions way more than the individuals because there's, there's so, so much, much more that goes yeah. into it. Like when you're an individual, it's like, you know, yes, you, you have to train super hard and yes, you have to be an unbelievable athlete. I mean, I'm not downplaying that at all, but there's just not the same level of strategy that has to go into it. Like you kind of just, you're just there for yourself and yeah. you're just there, you know, to worry about yourself. And I just think it's so cool to like watch the teams and see everything that, that goes on. And like, to me, it's just a, a lot more of the spirit of CrossFit because also yeah. like when you're. Uh, when you're working out an affiliate, you're not no. by yourself on the floor. Like you're with all your friends and everyone to support you. Yeah. I, it was so fulfilling to be on a team and to like experience that with, with these people that you have worked so hard with, you know, day in and day out over the last year. And, um, and I, it's such a process, like building that team, like love kind of for one another. Like it's, I think we each had to go through a lot of, self-realization and then also, you know, a lot of kind of, I guess, changing and and melding and working together to be like on the same page. And I think at the end of the day, like we all truly cared about each other. So it was just so fun to accomplish something so big together. And then it lives on, you know, way longer too, because you have five other people that you can talk you know, we'll just send texts every once in a while, like, hey guys, oh, remember yeah. that one time? We just <laughs> and you're not Yeah. Like, everyone's not like, shut up, Michaela, we remember. And they're like, Oh yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, exactly. Like if you did it by yourself, it's like you, right. you can think about yeah. it, but nobody really wants to talk about it like that much with you. Right. Everyone's like, Shut up, Rich Froning, we know, yeah. we know. Exactly. <laughs> so it lives on forever, I think. And yeah, it's it was just, it was definitely one of the most amazing experiences. And that's why it was because of that, yeah. you know. Did, was there like, I know that prior to the games, you guys were kind of hyping it up on social media that you were like going after mayhem and, and, you know, I forget your hashtag, like stop the mayhem. Um, was there kind of, I mean, was there really a rivalry that you guys tried to play up or did you, or was it just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Everyone knows that mayhem, you know, is, is the, the, the favorite yeah. and we're just here to upset that. Yeah. So we, I mean, obviously like our goal was to win from the beginning, but that was definitely not us that started that hashtag or the <laughs> uproar. Um, but we, you know, we were, we thought it was pretty funny and definitely we're okay. Like playing into it a little bit towards the end. Um, because I mean, that's what it's all about. I think that's what makes it fun. And it was just so funny that like people got really upset, upset about it. And, um, 
we, I mean, I don't, I didn't personally know anyone on Mayhem before I competed, but it was, it was really, it was really cool to meet them at the games and like see that they actually really liked that we were doing that on social media. And they thought that it was, that it was funny and awesome. And like, you know, they were there to compete too. So it was cool to see that another team was showing up to do the same thing. And, and they knew that it was a joke too. Like they, I mean, they definitely took, they, they have a sense of humor. So that was actually what part of made the weekend so much fun too. They were, they were a blast to not just compete with, but to hang out with and joke around with in between. Um, but yeah, it was, it was funny to hear how serious a lot of the fans took, took it. <laughs> Do you think that you'll go to Madison this year just to cheer everybody on? Oh God. I don't know. When are you due? Um, like- so I'm doing April. Okay. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, we have the, so the South region is in Salt Lake this year. So I'm really excited about that. It's oh, May. Yeah. yeah so That'll I'm, be fun. I'm planning on being there and then we'll see on Madison. I'm, I'm open to whatever really. Um, it was a blast to compete. So I, it would be cool to go watch. I, yeah, I'm guessing you guys yes, are going. Yeah. I feel so we, bummed my, I didn't I see you guys. Okay, you're kind of busy. I know. Well, <laughs> you were a little busy. I know we always like any of the games athletes that we ever talk to, they're like, Yeah, text me when you're yeah. in Madison, like we'll no, meet we up. And it's, it's like, fine. no, we won't. It's cool. I love you, but no. <laughs> it's fine. If <laughs> if we can like run into you in the vendor village, great, but like we're not, <laughs> not holding our breath. Uh, I know. I we were like all of our fa- like all of our gym people that came up, they were having such a blast and we're like, man, you guys had so much fun. We're sad we didn't get to hang out with you at all. It really is a party if you're not competing. (laughs) Not that I know what it's like to compete, but I imagine you're just like not at all able to do anything other than focus on the weekend of competing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Food, trying to find a couch that no one's sleeping on. (laughs) Well, congratulations again. That's such a cool accomplishment. And I know you work your ass off for that. It's just super inspiring. Um, I, I kind of want to end on a, uh, inspirational note because you are an inspiration and what I gather from you, I don't know you, Michaela, I don't know you We're not like BFFs or anything, but what I gather from you is that you are very strongly tied to family roots and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I can't imagine that I, well, let me rephrase this. I imagine you have a very strong lineage of women and strong women in your family. Um, so I want to kind of hear just a value that you have gathered from the women in your family that you live, uh, that you live according to now in your life every day. I think just, I mean, just expressing love. Um, I benefited from, you know, my mom was definitely always there if I needed some, someone to talk to or, you know, a sounding board or for guidance. I still call her all the time. Um, I, and she's also a therapist. So that is, you know, a nice perk as <laughs> to be the daughter of a therapist. Well, I guess I it like could it be, could, I'm like, it could go it could both, be ways. both ways. But it's all, it's, I mean, she's been such an amazing, you know, like problem solver for me in my life. And, um, and then my sister is the same way. Like I, I'm really close to my mom and my sister. And yeah, I would say just love and like no judgment with that love or no conditions with that love. And I, I try to really live that in my life with my own children and as well as the people in in my circle that, you know, I'm close with 
is just I'm I'm here for you and I I care about you and I want to be there for you, but you can come however you are and I'm okay with that. Thanks, mom. That's a great that's a great thing to pass <laughs> on. I've just I've been uh Claire and I have been talking so much lately just about how we are on this mission to kind of um slowly pull social media away from the showiness and the comparisons and to really put just good vibes out there. And so I'm always I love your guys' Transformation Tuesday. Uh, So something like that. So (laughs) listeners, if you're not familiar, Transformation Tuesday is now how you are transforming the world, not before and after photos um, or anything related to, you know, body image or fill in the blank. That's not really a a good thing for our our mental health. But uh, I just, I, I, I love that. I love what you said about your mom too. And I just think as women, you know, how we can take what we have gathered from the strong females in our lives and kind of pass that forward to the future females. And it's just such, such a cool thing. So I want to reiterate, thank you for doing that. And thank you for being a strong voice in social media and also just as a mother and someone who um, is a great mother and taking care of yourself and your family. Um, it's just such a cool thing to see every day. I love, I love when you pass through my social media feed. Thank you. That means a lot. Cause I think you guys are the coolest <laughs> and I think, you know, just the tone that you guys have set and um, the influence that you guys have and just everything that you guys hit on in your podcast is just so inspiring. And so just it just it just resonates with me a lot. So I was super flattered that you guys wanted me to chat with you for a little bit tonight. And yeah, I'm just I'm just excited. You know, listening to your guys's podcast is it definitely inspires me. Every Thank time you. Even, even the way. uh yeah, even though I started with Michael Jackson, I'm not sorry. <laughs> it wasn't just a total I'm... letdown after that for everyone. <laughs> well, Joy, when you asked that, I was like, "How? How? First of all, is this story real? Because like this is so perfect for Joy to be like, all right, yeah. right out of the gate, Michael Jackson. But like, second of all, how did you even know? I'm just that. This whole it was meant to be. Yep. That question was yeah, so meant was to be. So Michaela, where can everyone find you? Oh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram. My handle is Hungry Fitness. And then, yeah, that's mostly it, um, unless they sign up for Brute Body. I'm the head women's coach for Brute Body. So you can find me there too. Um, can I also say that I got a zone diet plan from you, oh. like probably two, probably like three years ago? It was at least three years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, that yeah. too. I also do online coaching um, with, and I have zone meal plans on my website, which is hungryfitness.com. Yeah. So thanks for reminding I, me of that. I, I got one from you and I love, there was a great recipe Hopefully for like some sort of tuna salad and I loved it. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a regular for me still. <laughs> <laughs> so a little known fact, I was <laughs> creepy, creepy zone stalking you that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Joy actually reads what I post, and you have tried my meal plan. So I feel I'm, yeah, today was the success. You're off to a good start. Oh, man. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michaela. It was so great to talk to you. And yeah, um, we can't wait to see what's next yeah. from you, and maybe we'll see you in Madison. Sounds good. Thanks, ladies. Mm-hmm.